Welcome in. Thanks for joining us once again on the Red Rock Sports Podcast. Be sure to find us on Twitter. We are at Red Rock Sports One. Got the full team back today. Let's I go, am baby. your host, Jared All. Connor Holzkamp, back from Nebraska. Back, the back from God's greatest place on earth. We're so <laughs> happy you made it back. Yeah. Nick Sopers joins us once again producing the show. What's up? And I do think, Connor... We uh, we were a little critical of you last week. Mm. I tried I tried to defend you a little bit. Um, <laughs> tried did. to have your back just a hair, just a little bit. But uh, how was this drive? That uh, you know we 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 thought we'd have you back last <laughs> week, and uh, we didn't. And and the the suspicion within the studio is this was strategically planned. Yeah. So uh, it was for work. I had to do a bunch of uh, installs and, and service out in Nebraska. So, I hate that. Uh, it was good. Uh, it, it just it was kind of one of those things where you know you never know how long it's going to take. Although I will say I take offense to one thing over here, Nick Soap. Uh, <laughs> and actually, I think it was Tyler that said this. Um, my softball when I have it is on Wednesdays, <laughs> not Tuesdays. It is on Wednesdays. Uh, and also, my softball ended like several weeks ago, so uh, I was not back. Contrary to what was said last week, for any so I got back at uh, it was almost nine. Like eight forty five. I believe that you are an all star in your softball league. Am I correct? <laughs> Would you be considered an all star? I, I think Connor, you've you've uh, in, a, in the most polite that. way I can put it, you're a, a couple pounds heftier than you were in high school. I think you. Uh, <laughs> I think you might uh, muscle weighs more than fat. Uh, that's right. I think you can hit them, uh, slam them homers. Hey, out I, don't, of there. I don't know about all star. Uh, you know, our team's pretty good. We're, we're, we have fun. We have fun. That's the most important thing. Uh, I will say. I think uh, I absolutely would run over a seven-second forty for all you out there. The big, <laughs> that, I, I, the so rude. Put a seven-two over here. I mean, I'm slow, okay, but I don't know about seven-two forty slow. Okay? We did agree. We did agree that what's fair is seven seconds flat. So thoughts on that? I think I'll, I'll, I would definitely. I would be willing to put some money on the fact that I will oh, beat seven. Okay, seconds but flat. prior to and, and Tyler talked about this a little bit last week on on their other show, uh, College Football Tailgate, which again is a part of the Woos Media family. If you guys haven't checked it out, go find them. College Football Tailgate that's just kicking up, talking all things college sports. Until they told me the results of their forties, I would have said no questions asked. All three of us run sub. I would have even gone as far to say like sub six forties. Like you, you hear these times. For NFL athletes in the fours, like a guy gets up to five, and that is like ridiculously slow, even for a three hundred pound man. And and yet these guys are running in like the mid to high sixes. Like I don't know, guys. I think we're over seven. I think I'm over seven. I think I don't know that I'm I running a sub seven. I think. 40. See, I think we're gonna have to now include Red Rock Sports Podcast on this. Uh, Combine and see yeah. what happens. Uh, yeah, Red, Rock, Red Rocks Combine. I'm in. Let's yeah. start training now. Yeah. Okay. Everyone, <laughs> I, will, I will not be drink be less beer. Yes. No, I got like 40 yards of running in me over like the course of a year. Like that is it. I'm probably pulling a muscle that there's no coming back from that. At least for some period of time. <laughs> you know what I found was hilarious last week. I was listening to the show. Uh, you guys talking about Olympics and and you said something about uh, you know you like swimming in the Olympics, right? And Tyler. Of course, the first thing that comes into his mind when you say swimming in the Olympics is synchronized swimming. Like, and 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 he's funny. He goes, he goes, swimming is crap because it all is about the splash. And then there's just like this awkward pause on the air. Why I could tell your wheels were turning, Jared. Like, what, what did he just say? Like, how's that? And he goes, synchronized swimming. You're like, oh, well, I meant speed swimming. Like. What yeah, you know, like Michael Phelps, like the most decorated athlete <laughs> yeah. in United States Olympic history. Uh, so that cracked me up. Um, okay, but on that note, 
okay, we were, you know, getting down last week was getting down to the tail end of all the Olympics. And I did turn on, they don't call it synchronized swimming anymore. They, what they call it artistic swimming. I love Ooh. that. <laughs> oh my God. It, it is <laughs> fantastic. If you have not watched it, the best part is actually before they get in the water, which I found out in watching it, that's not even graded. It's not until the music starts, but their strut up to the front line <laughs> is just fantastic. And every move, every motion is synchronized. There was one team of gals that was twins. I'm like, it's not even fair. You guys are the exact same person doing the exact same motion. I mean, synergy woo. at all time high for those Synergy's two. Especially when you watch them from underwater, it was like legitimately fun. So while we're on the topic, it, what what are your thoughts overall? Did anyone get a chance to enjoy some Olympics, or did you guys kind of just gloss over it? I thought it was. I thought it was fine. I I don't like. Uh, I like the men's basketball semifinals. Uh, I don't like that you have to go on to NBC and pay to watch the Olympics. I think that's how they make. But up that for, was like pretty much just the basketball. You had to yeah, that's for, fair. Right? I, I thought it was fine. Badminton. I enjoyed that. Uh, I enjoyed the four hundred meter hurdles. Uh, I also tracks okay. Um, definitely could never do that, but. Okay. Although Nick, you uh, you are a cut the cable man, aren't you? I, I cut the cable. So I cut it and then I went back. Fubo, <laughs> Fubo, everyone out there, they're not a sponsor. If you want to be a sponsor, Fubo, come hit us up at Red Rock Sports One or WoosMedia.com. But Fubo is the way to go because I'm watching all of this and I had it down. You talk about the running. As soon as they start announcing the names, you jump forward 90 seconds, boom, start of the race. <laughs> You're going. It, it was perfect. You don't Very have nice. to watch all the garbage in between. Well, you know, I didn't uh, watch as much Olympics this year as I had actually thought I was going to do, but uh, I watched a little bit here and there. It was, it was fun. I, I, you know, I always okay. like, I watched the opening and closing ceremonies. Sure. I'm a very casual Olympic fan. Nick, here's the problem <laughs> I have with every event you listed. They're all normal events we normally watch. Badminton? Okay, you're right. Badminton. I missed that. I didn't G- know that was even Give me on some badminton. Event. I know. But I cannot stand watching basketball, baseball. It's weird. I get so much United States pride. I'm like rooting for everyone. And then basketball comes around. I'm like, I kind of hope France beats them. (laughs) I I don't know what it is. Something just about like you should walk through it in the NBA. And so from the NBA athletes going out there to play uh, in, in, in Tokyo for that, I just get into like the weird odd things that like you would never think to watch i mean i really do enjoy volleyball that's one of my favorites i know they're too good they're they're so good that they can't even return the ball yeah that's a fun one to watch for me i can get really into that but yeah some of these weird ones uh the the triple jump was probably the one i enjoyed the most it looks like these guys like stumble every triple leap is what it should be called. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's insane how far these guys go. So, anyways, I really had fun, enjoyed watching it, but uh, some of the dancing ones is where, <laughs> like, that's where it gets me. I'm like, okay, people want a dog, like, skateboarding, being in the Olympics, calling these, saying these guys aren't athletes. I mean, dancing, is that a sport? Heck yeah, it is. I do like the women's They're uneven bars. Uh, just the fact that they, like, glide from, and, and the men's, like, single bar is cool, too, but these these women just, like, jump. Okay. From one bar to the other, and one's lower. It's crazy. Will you guys agree with me that women's gymnastics is so much better than men's gymnastics? Could you? Do you think that you could? How long do you think you could hold, or could you even get up on the rings? I the could, rings is ridiculous. <laughs> what do you think no. I am? No way. I'm well, an, an under seven athlete is what you are. Uh, an under four. An under I don't forty-seven. Think, I don't think I can put. You're my, not saying that right. Under seven <laughs> seconds forty. Thank <laughs> you. I don't think I could just hold my arms out in that position. Like I don't think I can actually even physically get into the angle that these guys hold these rings in. Yeah, there's no chance I'm doing any of that. Could you so. do one pull up? 
No, no, same. no. Way. Same. I, I wasn't even able to do a pull up when I was in quote unquote shape. So <laughs> quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that's the worst part about getting old is like I worked out. I tried really hard at the beginning of this year, and I went like six straight months working out, and then I took like two weeks off. And it is impossible. Like, you're back at square one. I'm like, what is this about, man? Like, it's not worth it to have to put in all this effort and then you miss a couple of weeks and your body's just like, nah, bro, we're starting over. It's again. like drinking a million beers during the two weeks you were off is bad for you. I don't know. Oh, get it. maybe so that weird. was the problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It yeah. is. My diet's not exactly very healthy either. So, what do you got for us today, Jared? Oh, we, we, oh we're actually going to do a show. I, I think uh, so. I think, yeah. Oh, That's okay. What we're here for. Well, Hard actually, <laughs> I did want to. We talked one of the, the, the biggest topics, Connor, that I think you're as strong as anyone on the show is is the NBA, is the Denver Nuggets. And we, we talked a little bit about the free agent signings, which um, I guess I don't know if it's a surprise or not, has been quiet and essentially silent for the Nuggets since last week. So, I I just wanted to, to, to briefly give you a chance to kind of give your two cents on the moves uh, the Nuggets have made. And real quick, just to kind of recap it for the audience, uh, the Nuggets re-sign Will Barton on a two-year deal. They bring back Jamichael Green on a two-year deal. Uh, they bring back Austin Rivers on a one-year deal. And then they signed Jeff Green uh, from the Brooklyn Nets on a two-year deal. So what say you on the moves the Nuggets have made so far? You know, it's not. I don't hate on it. <laughs> I don't hate on it. I, I mean, you got Jamichael Green, three and D type guy who's coming back. You know, and and you know, I I do, I do disagree. Uh, last week you were kind of like, did did Jamichael Green really add anything to the Nuggets? And I, you know, I kind of think he did when when he played. And I mean, he had some moments in the playoffs where he hit some big threes. He kind of, uh, but you know, he's not a player that you're going to lean on for scoring, anyways. Um, so I, I don't hate on the fact that he came back. I'm a little surprised that he actually did come back. Um, it's a much smaller deal than the, the one he signed previously he yeah. was on like a almost 20 million last year and he only eight and a half average salary right now. but i don't know I, I like him one thing that was interesting i i don't mind jeff green either so in and of itself either of those contracts i don't i don't mind either of those it was a little interesting to me that they they got both of them uh they both seem like they kind of fill a similar role um sure and jeff green's what 35 years old yes, now i yes. believe so he is uh not getting any younger as they say um but, you know, I, I thought it was a little interesting, uh, you know, considering that the Nuggets, you know, definitely need some wing help, right? That they kind of got went out and got another forward, right? Uh, and then, you know, to your point about getting a backup center, it looks like now the Nuggets with 15 players on their roster, uh, it's looking like they're going to forego the traditional backup center on the roster this year. Um, and so... You know, Bol Bol is still on the roster, correct? Bol Bol is a power forward, though. He is power forward. He is power okay. forward, and he definitely doesn't play traditional center. He'll definitely play a little bit of center, but yeah, you're not wrong. He's not, he's not like a traditional traditional center in, in that regard. And now, here's something that's interesting. Bol Bol is on the last year of his contract with the Denver Nuggets this year. So, uh, and, and he hasn't really... I mean, he... He has intrigued Nuggets fans for years with his his size and his athleticism and shooting. Yeah, but he pretty much only comes in in garbage time. Right, and, and I mean, a lot of that's he's just not showing the the impact and the consistency. And I think he needs to gain like sixty pounds. <laughs> I think that's the problem. <laughs> that could be it. He, I mean, his dad he can have two, forty of my pounds. <laughs> yeah, he, I'll give him some of my pounds. <laughs> no problem. Um, 
So no, it'll be interesting to see if Bobol kind of steps up, makes an impact. Um, some a player that you didn't mention in last week's show that I think is going to be really interesting potentially this year is Zeke Naji, uh, who's you know sweet shooting big, uh, who's you know another another forward uh, player, but he's shot the rock real well, real good last year. Uh, I'd be curious to see him, but uh, yeah, it's it, I thought. My my overall thoughts on the free agency, right? I like bringing Will Barton back because we've talked about it before. With Without Jamal Murray for much of next season, you're going to need some kind of scoring option uh, you know, from a guard position. So I thought that was good that they brought him back. I thought it was interesting that they decided to bring in Jeff Green and, jo- and, and Jermichael. So it, it, I thought that was... Uh, it's just a little interesting, right? But hey, Tim Connolly, I have trust that that man knows what he's doing. This, to me, seems like the Nuggets are really wanting to go all in and see what this roster does when it's healthy. You know? I mean, plain and simple. It's kind of what it seems like. Do you think the Rock or the Rockies... The, do you think the Rockies have a chance of winning a championship? No. <laughs> do you think the Nuggets have done enough to sure up this roster to make them legitimate contenders again next year? Man, tough to say. I... Uh, I don't see them as being a legitimate championship contender next year. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I really do hope I'm wrong. I just see where see would it. where would you rank them in the power rankings in the West? I and we'll Ooh, we'll get tough. into that. That's something I actually want to do as we get closer to the season is have a, a power rankings I want to put together uh, uh, for the Red Rock podcast here. So I'm curious if just if you're throwing dart at the board, where do you have the the Nuggets currently sitting in the West? You know, I think I see the Nuggets probably around third, third, fourth. And you mean that you don't think they can win, be, be even being third or fourth? Uh, I think it, so. Here's here's the thing. I think if the Lakers actually stay healthy, I know you hate that Westbrook move, but I think if they actually stay healthy, if they have Anthony Davis and LeBron James and Westbrook all healthy, I like their I like their addition of Carmelo Anthony too. Um, if they keep everybody healthy on that team, I think that they're going to be absolutely odds-on favor. They're going to be tough to beat. Um, obviously. The Suns, so the, the Suns concern me a little bit too, just with how the Nuggets match up with them. As do as do the Utah Jazz, to be honest. I, I'm not sure if the Nuggets have the perimeter defense um, to really, ha- you know, or the team defense for that matter to really hang with those types of teams that can shoot the ball really well from the guard position. Um, so I don't, I don't love, you know, the, the fact that I don't think we, I don't think the Nuggets match up great with those two teams. Uh, I think that they're 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 a serious team next year. I mean, hey, you have the MVP Nikola Jokic. You have a you have a very good chance to make it competitive no matter what. And doesn't just, it still come down to the young, the youth of the Nuggets taking that next step? Because all the teams, for the most part, I think the Suns are probably the one team of everyone you just listed that is very, very young overall. And almost all of those guys you can expect to take a step forward as we go forward next year. I think just about every other team you, you talk about, those are aging guys. Um, it's particularly looking at the Lakers uh, of guys that are all in their mid to late thirties. Um, I mean, do you see the Nuggets potentially taking that step past them just with the development of a guy like a Michael Porter Jr., some of these other, you know, PJ Dozier, some of these other guys around uh, that that can develop? I, that's what I think you have to bank on as Look, a Nuggets. I, I certainly think that's possible. It's certainly possible. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna completely turn. I mean, hey, I, I was feeling. You know, right before Jamal got injured, that hey, this team might have an actual chance to win a right. championship this year. And that's that's the first time I can ever remember in my life thinking that about the Nuggets. Actually, I think I probably felt that way a little bit when they lost to the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals with uh, Melo and Kenyon and all the boys. Oh, that one still stings. Mm. 
Just get the inbound the ball. Just inbound Anthony the ball. Anthony Carter and twice. You know who? You know what else I don't like to see? Which I mean, let's be honest. It's it's not like Trevor Ariza is is a stud by any means. But he was the one, if I'm not mistaken, that was uh, stopping the inbound from coming in, and he was resigned by the Lakers this offseason. So oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think just looking at the Western Conference, it's going to be it, it, it's always tough every year, and I mean this year's no exception. It'll be interesting, interesting to see if like the Mavs take a step forward and actually do what people kind of think jazz. they're going to do. The you know the Jazz, there are a lot of there are a lot of teams in kind of a similar situation to the Nuggets, and, and you mentioned the Mavericks and uh, Luca just got paid. Mm. Dude is making some money. Okay, what I got to go look it up now. It's like. Four year, two hundred and seven million. Is it's that five year? Five but it's year? got a player option. Hey, look! If if Jamal Murray comes back and he's firing like how you know, if he's Bubble Murray, right, or anywhere close to it, if he's just if he is firing, giving us a really good lift uh, as as a number two and one scoring option at times, then hey, yeah, I think the Nuggets could absolutely make some serious noise in the playoffs. Uh, as far as the regular season, he's not going to be here most of the season. I find it really hard to believe that without Jamal Murray, you're going to finish in a top two, three seed in this West Western Conference. But I mean, stranger things have happened. So what, I, what seed? Like what range? You know what I mean? Are they three to six? Are they I, four I'm eight? with Connor. I think you're talking more four, five, six. Uh, without Jamal Murray in there, I, I just I don't see a way that the Nuggets are a top three team in the West as far as their based on their record. Now, going into the playoffs, they may be, you know, power ranked in the top three, but you I, I think the Nuggets need to be prepared to be on the road in the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's I, I think right now if I it's really early, but I think if I had to make a prediction, I'd put them around fourth. I think fourth would be my home court. My prediction, which yeah, which would be the last last home court um you know, spot. So I, 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 that's where I have him right now. I think that I think Nikola Jokic. I'm a believer. I think he's good enough to get him to that to that spot. He wins a lot of games for him. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It's good. You know, it looks like you now all the roster spots are are tied up. Uh, granted, they're still going to have two two way contracts, I believe, kind of coming out of this summer league. Um, so we'll see what they do. It could, I think they had Marcus Howard and uh, uh, what was the other guy? Man, I'm forgetting off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, I, I, so the roster's pretty much set. Looks like they're going to go without a, a traditional second big man. I was going to ask you this, Jared. I was listening last week to your guys' show, and uh, you had mentioned how you wished that you know Nikola Jokic could get some help, right? Uh, uh, sure, you know, some depth behind and, him there. Right, and with, with DeAndre Ayton. So, but what I didn't get clarity on when I was listening to you say that, were you trying to suggest that you, you know, wanted a big to play with Nicola and have two centers on the court when Deandre Ayton's playing playing? I think there's situations for that and matchups for that. Certainly. But I think more often than not, it's getting Nicole Jokic minutes off the court with a productive player that can allow you to do that. Well, I you mentioned though, but you were specifically mentioned Deandre Ayton and the troubles he was giving sure. the nuggets in the playoffs. So like, but but he wasn't necessarily giving the Nuggets trouble when Nicola went off or anything like that. So it wasn't like you needed and, someone and, to come and in I think and stop si- him. No, but I think there are situations why why not play big. I think there are situations where you can do that, and with the athleticism of a guy like Nikola Jokic, and especially if you were to bring in a center that was equally athletic. Now that's the thing you got to be careful of. You go big, a team can go small, turn you around. Now you got Nikola Jokic trying to guard a three point shooter out there. This is obviously not a good matchup for the Nuggets as well but I don't think there's any reason why that I mean you you look eh, you go back 
10, 20 years, and that was how teams dominated was you get two bigs out there. Yeah, I know I the think, game is I think you do changed. that with the Nuggets, and Mikel Bridges scores 30. Like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. What do you think, Nick? Would that have worked? You're, you are a basketball guy. You know, it? it's tough. I mean, real, realistically, the problem is Jamal Murray. You got to have someone that needs help on that pick and roll. And when Murray went out, they didn't have anyone on the pick and roll to really co- sort of step and switch and give Jokic that switch. So they would double on Jokic. You've got Monte Morris, who's not really a three-point shooter. Uh, so you got to get a guy that can shoot. Uh, that's why they got Bones and Island. Shooter, combo guard. I think that's the ultimate plan. Um, this Nuggets team, I think, is going to run eight deep max. Um, so regardless, really? so regardless of really where we go and whatever signings we have, you've got to get Murray back. You've got to float for the first half of the season, you know, 10, 15 games above 500, whatever. So I think they'll be sneaky good. I think the jazz are obviously the nuggets biggest weakness. Uh, and then we'll be interested to see what happens with golden state. Uh, you've got Definitely. clay Thompson. We'll see what he does. The Lakers, you know, Westbrook is quite possibly the worst point guard defender in the league. And so it, it'll be interesting to see how they mesh. I mean, again, like I said last week, 15 seconds on the shot clock. LeBron James is highly intelligent. Is he going to be okay with Westbrook pulling up a 25-footer with 15 seconds on the shot clock? It's hard to say. Okay, so Connor gave his thoughts, and, and I, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I think based on what I heard you say with the moves the Lakers have made, you would say they're the team to beat in the West. Am I correct? Oh, yeah, if they're healthy. If, they're full, if the Lakers are fully healthy, but that's a big if. I mean, hey, that's a coin flip. I mean, really, truly, it's a coin flip I, if they're going to be healthy or not. But yes, if they're healthy, I don't see any team that can beat the Lakers this year. And I'll pres- present it to you, Nick, in an open-ended question. Who is the team to beat in the West going into the 2021-2022 season? Well, are we talking regular season or are we talking playoffs? Oh, are we man, talking we're talking playoffs, We're talking man. playoffs. Who, who is the team you practice? are most concerned about the Nuggets ultimately having to get past in order to win a championship next year? The Utah oh, wait, that's Jazz. That's a different question, though. The Utah Jazz. That's a different question. The team to beat. Isn't that the team to beat? No, well, the team to beat, I was considering like everybody, not who the Nuggets. Sure, okay. You're right. I did phrase it for the Nuggets. All right, no, if we t- if I'm we're sorry, talking- let's put it out there. Just overall, who is the team that you have to get through, whoever it is in the West, That who's the team that is going to run through in the West? And everybody's fully healthy. Well, well the, Golden, the Golden State Warriors is what I think. Well, They've let- got James Wiseman coming off his okay. rookie deal. He's 19 or 20 years old. Clay Thompson... Apparently, he looks really good. If you watch videos of him, he doesn't miss a shot. It's crazy. Um, that's who I think is the team to beat. They're loaded up. It's looking like Golden State wants to make a couple trades. Uh, they're looking at Bradley Beal is kind of what you're hearing. So that would be that, interesting. That's who, that's who I think it would probably be the hardest team to beat. No, um, that, that's so interesting. You, you, you have the Golden State Warriors with the number and one seed out of the West this year. I would say one or two. We're talking hardest teams to beat for the Nuggets. Utah Jazz and the Golden State Warriors. I, I definitely agree when it comes to hardest for the Nuggets. That's why I was yeah no and you're right. I, I I did kind of throw that stipulation in after the fact because I think those two teams. I think the Nuggets have trouble against the perimeter now, teams like now. That. You guys both follow the NBA on a more national level far more than I do. Where I mean are, are the Golden State Warriors being talked about nationally? I know Clay Thompson's been out. Uh, I know they were injured all of last year. I mean, is that are they the team being discussed on that level again? Because Boy, they struggled last year. Well, it all depends on Clay. James Wiseman, I think I think he was 19. Um, he's huge, super raw. You know, Steph Curry, people argued he could be MVP, but you got a guy that played lights out, the ultimate green light. I just they're they're awesome. They're they're fun to watch. Three point, you know, they're they're 
uh, they're a team that plays in this generation. They they kind of changed. But hasn't though. the rest of the NBA caught up to them? No. In my mind, that's why they were so dominant for a couple they, years. They, they been, changed you the seen game. Them, we haven't seen the Golden State Warriors healthy in years. I mean, it all comes down to health, but ultimately at the end of the day, the Utah Jazz are a perfect matchup for the Nuggets. In addition, I think the Golden State, you've got everybody coming back. Clay looks really good. Our underrated player, great defender. We want to talk about perimeter defense. So, so if you're making we'll odds to win a championship next year, are you putting Golden State as your number one pick to make the championship out in, of the West as of right now? In today? the West, uh, those odds would be a little bit high, I would say, because the injuries kind of dictate that. But again, assuming Clay comes back, mm-hmm. he's going to have to ease into it. These Achilles injuries are All no right. joke. But I, w- I would say, yeah, I like it. I like it. Golden State is going to be interesting to watch this year. That's for sure. Okay. And I, I want to just go back to the Lakers a little bit. Oh. Here, okay. Oh, because must I, 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 I got to, <laughs> I, I know. I feel like I can really get this to fester here between the two of you guys. Um, so Connor, talk to me about what you look at this roster. And I'll be honest. I tend to lean a little more with Nick that I think that everyone is, is overblowing it. And let me just give an example. I was just before we started the show, I was trying to get a list up of, of all the moves that, that the Lakers have made and and I'm slipping right now. I don't have it in front of me. I wish I would have kept it up on the website I was on. But it ranked every single move that the Lakers had made this year as an A. Okay? So people nationally, particularly on the West Coast, are basically gifting the Lakers the NBA championship next year. So, Connor, sell me on that. Why do you believe the Lakers are going to be so unstoppable next year? I, I just uh, I'm a believer in LeBron James. There's no no secret to me there. LeBron James. I, I so it's more about him than it is about well, the additions. I, so I'm a I'm a big believer in LeBron James, and and when healthy, Anthony Davis is one of the most dominant two way forwards in the NBA. I mean, if not the most dominant, you know, in the entire NBA two way forwards. Overrated. He's I overrated. mean, he he plays defense with the best of them. He can shoot. He can play physical. The I best think ability LeBron, is availability. And that right, hasn't okay. been very good. So, hey, fair, no, fair enough. I, that's what I said. If, Zing. It's a coin flip, right? If they're not healthy, then then the, the whole argument falls apart. But but if they're healthy, right? And I'm, I think it's a coin flip. So, hey, you flip a coin, Lance Tails, they're healthy. They're going to be really hard to beat. And it's because of LeBron James and Anthony Davis adding Russell Westbrook is a really interesting move, a good move, I believe. Um, and you guys mentioned it a little bit last week with, with Russell Westbrook getting up there in age. I wonder if we don't see a little bit more willingness to kind of let this be LeBron's team and AD's team and, and, and hey, just fill in what they ask him to do, right? Um, somebody that we kind of saw this happen to was uh, James Harden. Right, oh, James woof. Harden. James Harden's been, <laughs> Nick. Nick is not a James Harden yeah. fan over here. Uh, so we saw James Harden for years and years be the guy that just needs to take thirty shots a game. Right, uh, and, I'm and he goes up on a pattern here, Nick. You don't seem to like the selfish <laughs> players. <laughs> it's weird, like not passing team the ball or game. team basketball. I don't like it. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and uh, but but you see James Harden, and he goes to Brooklyn, and they asked him, hey, t- you know, don't we when we're fully healthy, you're not the first scoring option here, right? Kevin Durant is right, um, and you know Kyrie Irving was you know dropping him too. So, uh, you, what you saw was him putting up career highs and assists. And I think you could, I think you could absolutely see that happen with a Russell Westbrook as he gets to this point in his career where he's done a lot, right? Of a lot of personal accolades, I think he just is missing a championship to really top off his career. So I don't know. I think that's going to be a dangerous team. And uh, how many more years do they got left with this core? I mean, at that age, they, you, who knows? Do you believe Russell Will, uh, Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook, Great quarterback, 
<laughs> has that in him to be a uh, not be the the primary guy to be a secondary player on this team. I guess we're fixing to find out. <laughs> I, yeah. I think so, though. I, I think so. I, I, I do think so. I think the pole of a championship, and I think if anybody can get to someone like that, it's going to be LeBron James, who is the ultimate team basketball player. Uh, I think he could definitely get it out of him. But just talk about the age of this roster, okay? They're um, old. I mean, you, you you added a guy in Carmelo Anthony, 37 years old. Trevor Reza, 36 years old. Uh, Anthony Davis is 28. But he's an old 28, and I think we could all agree that his body is more like 35. Um, I mean, you keep going down. Marcus Saul, likely your starting center, 36 years old. Uh, Dwight Howard, you added 35 years old. LeBron James, 36 years old. I mean, sure, there's a few. Malik Monk, 23. I mean, there's a few younger guys. Uh, Russell Westbrook, by the way, 32 years old. So he is actually a few years younger uh, than, than some of the other guys there. But, man, that is a big if in my mind as far as staying healthy and it's not just the age it's the fact that most of these guys have struggled with those injuries throughout their career anyways i just don't see it all staying together throughout the course of a season there are going to be parts of this season that the lakers look like an unbeatable team you just have to hope as a nuggets fan it's not the weeks leading up to the playoffs. You just hope that all of the pieces aren't fitting and healthy at that point. And I have to say it, and this is just me thinking as I'm talking, I hate that. I hate that as a Nuggets fan that you're you're kind of sitting there going, well, as long as uh, somebody has some injuries, there's a shot. I mean, <laughs> is that their Nuggets r- truly? Is that their only hope this year? Is that some of these top teams aren't going into the playoffs healthy? Or Michael Porter Jr. takes another step and you get Jamal Murray back and he comes back and looks like Jamal Murray did towards, you know, the end before he got hurt. I mean, hey, no, if you get all that to happen right for the Nuggets, you could be in a game. You you could be in a game in a series. You know, you're not going to get swept by these teams, most likely, if all that happens, right? You're not going to get swept. Sure. Um, Here's an interesting prediction for the Nuggets. I could see the Nuggets making a trade. Uh, here, uh, you know, with pieces like Bull Bull, Zeke Naji, possibly even, um, sure. I could see them making a trade and trying to bring in kind of a wing player because you know the wing market was real hot in the in free agency and you know everyone was trying to get a wing player. So uh, I could see it happening. I'm just saying I something love to watch for. Wings, okay, especially bone in. Mm. Uh, oh yeah, Buffalo teriyaki, teriyaki. 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 I'm, yeah, a, I, I'm a spicy <laughs> guy. I like to be miserable yeah, yeah, by the yeah. end of these Also, I have found it keeps you from eating so many because you get to a point where like it's not worth it it's just not (laughs) worth it anymore i don't know i think the nuggets match up really really well with the lakers i mean yeah they're talking about anthony davis playing center um i don't know how much time marcus marcus all is going to get uh they paid taylor horton tucker a lot of money uh i mean maybe not in in nba terms but i think it was what 21 million for three years um, I just don't see how, how the Nuggets don't match up well. I mean, Melo can't play D. Russell Westbrook is a notorious uh, risk taker. Uh, if you ever watch him play, he does some wild stuff. And um, LeBron James doesn't want to play D all season. And, you know, come playoff time, it might be different. But I, I just don't see how off the dribble you can't really take most of these guys. And especially with the speed that we have, uh, especially at the guard position. it's uh, Of all the teams, I think I would say I'm scared of the, the Lakers the least. Yeah, yeah see, I, I tend to agree with Nick. When it comes to from a Nuggets perspective sure. on who – you know, who do the Nuggets match up better with? I think the nightmare matchups for the Nuggets, at least what it seems to be at this point, is the Golden States, the Utah Jazz, the Phoenix Suns, um, those type of teams that have the the guards, the perimeter play, you know. Um, 
I think we match. I think the Nuggets match up better against the Clippers and the and the Lakers and even Dallas. I think they match up better against these types of teams. Uh, yeah, I mean it's obvious what the the Lakers tried to do, right? They got Russ and then they acquired shooters. So what they're gonna the plan on is just a lot of driving kick from Russ and so. Uh, kind of clear out the lane, let it go. They've, you know, if, if AD is going to play the center, they're going to have him spaced out and just a lot of lanes. But I just, I, you know, I don't know. I, I hate to say age is a factor, but certainly it's a long season and um, they're picking it up, you know, pretty quick again. And and, and remind me and everyone out there, this will be a full eighty-two game season Correct. this year. That's that's going to be something to monitor. We saw that in the playoffs, just how much the amount of basketball that's been played in the last 14, 16 months has really, really caught up to a lot of players. You saw a lot more injuries, a lot of kind of fatigue-related things. Olympics happened this year. A lot of these guys, especially foreign players, that's a huge deal for those guys. But certainly there was obviously the Americans came away with gold, so there's, there's plenty of Americans out there as well. I'll be curious to see if that's a similar trend we see towards the end of next year as well. Yeah. Before we get off the NBA, I did want to touch back on that that Luka uh, Doncic uh, contract, and I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts. What impact, if any, does this have on moves the Nuggets make in the next couple of years? We know there's a bunch of them. Michael Porter Jr. will be up for a big deal. Uh, Aaron Gordon's going to be up for contract here. You'll have an opportunity for a Supermax deal with uh, Jokic coming up here. And is that two years out? I, I'm not sure at what point that hits. I think it's two or three. I think it's three. What? I mean, does that... I don't think it has much of an effect to answer your question. I think the NBA is a little bit different in that they have very structured type of of, uh, contracts. And so when you're eligible for a Supermax, it's like... Well, what is it, Nate? Can you tell us off the top of your head what a Supermax exactly Usually is? Usually it's like five years and 210 or something like that. Pretty much what Don just got. But uh, I mean, you, you know, we go like a certain percentage above the max, right? Isn't that what yeah, it is? Yeah. And then you start talking luxury tax and stuff. And, right. and with the uh, COVID stuff, I know that the it's based off revenue. So um, Kappa, I think, I think it lowered a little bit. So I think what the idea is, max out MPJ and then just hope and pray the cap goes up in the next couple years. Yeah, so I don't think it, I uh, that's my answer to you. I don't think it's going to have too much of a direct effect in terms of it's not like the NFL where like somebody just kind of sets the market and then the next person gets a bigger and check. Was Luca up check. for a deal or was this ahead of his uh rookie deal ending? This was ahead of his rookie deal ending, but he got a he was eligible like Nick said for the Supermax. So they went ahead, and that's what we're going to see. We'll probably see with Jokic before the end of his deal, too. I believe he has this year and next year, Nikola Jokic does. So you look for the Nuggets to sign him to a Supermax extension here, uh, you know, maybe even before the end of this year. Any possibility of Michael Porter Jr. signing anything less than a max deal before this season's over? No. No, I don't think so yeah, either. He'd be stupid, right? I mean, you have to you have to, to bet on yourself in that situation that, hey, if the Nuggets aren't going to offer you max, somebody else will. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if if uh, the Nuggets do. I, I happen to look a little bit before this. The Nuggets are about, you know, and this could be a little bit outdated from like some of the new numbers. But uh, I was thinking, I was looking at an estimation with these new contracts, and it looks like the Nuggets are going to be like thirty million under the luxury tax. Um, and if that's the case, then we we have plenty of room to sign MPJ to a max extension, right? Um, the question is you know, do they want to do it, right? Is, is there interest on both sides? It's a little curious that we haven't heard much noise from that. I mean, don't you think? Uh, I don't know. I think it's pretty obvious we're going to sign them to the, the the max. I know that the way that they structure these deals is to give smaller market teams the chance to pay you the most so that you stay. I just don't see how you don't pay MPJ. I mean, a lot of potential, 
lot of ego, but he he busts Do his you, ass. So. If you're yeah. if you're a Nuggets All exec accounts. right now, if you're Tim Conley, are you trying to get that deal done now, or or are you maybe wanting to push this out and see how he performs this year with the spotlight on him? He is your scoring threat. He is year. the X factor based on how the Nuggets will play or won't play. I mean, he obviously is horrible on defense. Um, I don't think it matters either way. You, <laughs> he's getting. You're ultimately paid. you're going to be stuck in that paid, spot. Do you yeah. think he's? Uh, do you anticipate this contract Nick coming before the season starts? I don't think so, but you never know. I mean, uh, they're always talking. So and, and that season start is just around the corner, right? Right. Couple what what now. is the the first uh, opening day for for basketball? I don't know with the COVID stuff. I, I let me check. Yeah, it'd be good. I I think. Hey, to answer your question, if if I was Tim Connolly, I absolutely am looking to give him a max extension because, as Nick said, I mean that's your chance. I mean, if the Nuggets want if, if the Nuggets' best chance at winning a championship is having MPJ, Jamal Murray, and Nikola Jokic all healthy and playing at the best of their potential. I mean that 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 is the best chance for the Nuggets, and if. You know, I would I would add maybe the second best chance is you trade Michael Porter and you get a really legit third piece in here. I mean, well, who do you trade for Michael Porter Jr.? Like, like seriously, who do you who do you well, get the that, that, that brings the value? Well, the name that was thrown out a lot last year is Bradley Beal. Yeah, I was gonna say you know Bradley Beal was was the name that was getting some buzz last year. How do you feel about that, Nick? Would you ever consider trading an MPJ for a Bradley? No, Beal? I don't think so. You got a guy that's super young. He's sweet, you know, smooth stroking shot. I just. Uh, He's just got to get better on D, and he's got to. Ha- he's, you know, he did a good job of kind of swallowing his pride. Uh, he's a young guy. He's you know number one high sc- number one prospect out of high school. Uh, unfortunately, was hurt at Mizzou, and Nuggets scored on the 14th pick. So I, you know, he definitely has sort of earned it. But you don't you don't just not not pay a guy and, and trade for an older superstar, in my opinion. Um, season starts December 22nd. Oh, interesting. So it's a little bit, little bit. Really, late. they're starting that late, huh? Yeah, I think it usually starts around then, but I the COVID stuff has me messed up. I <laughs> well, it usually starts much earlier, right? And then Christmas is when people say yeah, that the yeah, yeah, yeah. Starts. So that's a that is much later this this year. So it'll be and, and, and hey, you guys know you guys even you've made fun of me in the past, Jared. I always come with my stats on uh, MPJ. <laughs> I love MPJ. I'm a I'm an MPJ apologist. I'm a I'm a big fan. And hey, if you'll believe what wait, my, we we've been a few weeks without a stat of the week. <laughs> no, I know. It's hard. I don't have an MPJ stat. Oh, you teased. Here. I thought no. you were gonna drop one. Sorry. No, I think no. you, I think your your stat that we talked about off air was that he was gonna end up being top three for uh, what was it? Uh, uh most improved. Thank player. you. Yes. Yeah, okay. uh, that's what I was I, I was harping on a little bit at the end of last year. Nick Nick uh, talked a bunch of smack when I said that at first. I but, did uh, lose. <laughs> I, I will I will swallow that pill. But uh, you know, hey, I mean, you look at this guy's shooting. I, I've already we've already kind of discussed some of these numbers. They were historic. I mean, they were legitimately historic in terms of a three point shooter having that type of effective field goal percentage. It, it was off the charts. It, it, it's it's number one in Nuggets history. It's like top 10 of all time, you know? Uh, I mean, it's unbelievable what he was doing in terms of his shooting last year. That was unreal. Uh, So I would love... And hey, if if you'll believe... Nick alluded to this, but if you believe what Michael Malone says about the guy and some of his teammates, by all accounts, he's a really hard worker. He's somebody that really wants to get better and has the desire to keep grinding. So, hey, I'm, I'm all for it. Let, let's get the guy signed. Let's see what we can do I mean, do he's huge. You, you literally cannot block his shot. You know what I mean? It's, right. he, he can get his shot whenever he wants. So, I mean, you know, I hate to... I hate to... I'd love to see him get a little better off the dribble. Sure. Make I mean, he's just, he's just... He's just... He's a stud, so... He is. So. I agree with you guys that before the end of the year, you're going to have to pay him. But I, yeah. I, I think what what you hope to come away from the season, I do expect you'll see is I think by the end of the 2021, 2022 season, 
you'll know. Is Michael Porter Jr. a true superstar? Can he make that jump? They've got the core. They just got to take the next step. And, and you know, I you know the, the bubble, they made the finals. And honestly, last year they played great. The kind of a bitter end to the season last year. But, I mean, they were, you know, Composito's getting 25, 30 minutes a game. You're going to lose. <laughs> right, I mean, it, right, right. And you got last year, you know, uh, Will Barton came back kind of, you know, throughout or you know what, second gift, second or third game in that in that series, yeah. uh, PJ Dozier was out, which definitely missed some of his defensive presence. And Honestly, it was it was a gritty way to finish the season. I mean, it didn't. It was kind of tough to watch, but it was gritty. So. Sure, and there were some reasons for it. So yeah. I think yeah, I think the Nuggets can walk away, you know, still with some hope and their head held high. Nick, how long are we into the show here? Forty minutes. Forty minutes. Okay, I had intended to talk a little Rockies, guys. I'm oh, gonna kind of leave this up to you. I would ask the audience, yeah. but they oh, can't yeah, hear us yeah, on yeah. the other side of it. Okay. Uh, Rocky's currently sitting 51 and 61. Uh, I just have to throw this out there. I was very, very adamant at the beginning of the year that they would be over 100 losses. Now it's looking pretty unlikely <laughs> that the Rockies will end up over 100 losses. They're on pace for like in the 80s. Looks so out, looks like I will remain undefeated in my bets with Jared. On they the, on will the really <laughs> have to struggle down the stretch, which I won't put it past them. No. But, you know, ultimately, guys, this is a broken roster and a broken team uh, i think that there's a lot that needs to happen to get this roster in any sort of truly competitive state a potential new gm coming in and this is why i want to ask you connor because i see the look on your face okay <laughs> if you're the new gm coming in this offseason or whatever his name is that's running the team now that seems like he is a montfort guy that may end up just getting the job how do you fix the Colorado Rockies. I mean, a lot of it is getting out of some of these bad contracts, which you're finally getting out of, and some of these just some of the money that you have spent on these people, right? Uh, it looks like, by all accounts, Trevor Story will not be coming back. What? Um, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, so I, you know, I hate to say it, but uh, and, and hey, I want to just just real quick. Last week, I know you guys were talking a little bit about Trevor, the trade deadline passing, and there was no moves. However, there ha there were moves. Um, albeit smaller ones, uh, they did get rid of Michael Givens, relief pitcher, to the Reds for two two prospects, um, which you know, which is a move. No, that's great. That's um, what you need to do. You need uh, to restock so your prospects. They did that, and oh, I almost just I tripped over my mic. There we go. Dead air. Boom, baby. <laughs> uh, so they did that. They also uh, signed Ashton Gadu, I believe is how you say his name, which is uh, they picked up a contract. This is sure. no, nothing big, right? So uh, I think it's accurate to say the Rockies didn't make any big moves uh, that we were kind of expecting, but uh, they, they certainly didn't go without making any moves. So that, that was good to see, but... Um, they were just so focused on getting Gadu that they couldn't, they couldn't <laughs> spend enough it. time see, on the story. See, deal. I think what it tells us... So I think... The fact that Trevor Story was not traded, what it tells us is that teams were not offering a greater package than the Rockies felt like they could get with compensatory draft picks by keeping on to him. I think that's what it's telling and, you. And, and explain to me, I mean, I understand it on, on the, the way the NFL does things like that, that essentially for those listeners out there that may not be familiar with what a compensatory pick is or how that works is if you allow a guy to leave your team via free agency – you will get a draft pick in return for that, and they call it a compensatory draft pick. And, and essentially, it it's a 
as I understand, it, it's kind of a way to again keep everything in the median and 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 keep a balance within teams, so you're not getting so much dominance from certain teams. And how exactly, Connor, does that work with Major League Baseball? I didn't even know that was a thing until this was being discussed with Trevor Story. I had never heard of that before for baseball. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh Baseball rules are interesting. I always got to continually re- even somebody as a baseball guy. I'm always trying to continually refresh myself with compensatory draft picks and the rule five draft and all these different things going on. Right. Um, in terms of the compensatory draft pick, I believe the Rockies are going to be getting a pretty high pick in terms of losing Trevor story. Uh, and that's based off of, uh, of where he was drafted and, and how I, I think it might even be how he's done. Um, but, but, you know, I I'll have to come back and and we'll we'll come back at some other point and we'll sure. we'll get down to exactly what the Rockies are getting for that. Um, but the main thing is the Rockies looked at what they were getting because they were getting trade offers, right? People were calling. There was the the Yankees were rumored, the Mets were rumored, the Giants were in on it. Uh, people were looking to to pull Trevor Story, but the Rockies said no. And what that tells me is that they clearly looked. I mean, then again, it's the Rockies. Who knows what they're thinking? I, you know what I think it was. <laughs> or what they weren't thinking. I was, I was thinking, thinking that nobody was asking the Rockies to throw any money on. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's <laughs> a problem. See, if they would have just said, "Hey, I'll tell you, you know, we'll give you these players. No, no deal. All right." I'll tell you what, Rockies. How about you throw in $30 million for his contract? Done. All right. You got a deal, sir. <clears throat> uh, you know, there we are. But uh, no, I, I, I'd like to think... I think that what it tells us is that they think the compensatory draft compensation is going to be greater than the packages they received. And it's kind of a shame. You saw some of the prices some of these players were getting uh, for, for some of these players this year, right? Some of these teams sure, were, yeah. were giving Ridiculous. up. Ridiculous. Um, and so it's kind of a shame. I think it, it really just plays into the fact that Trevor Story is not having a good year. Now, he's actually started picking it up uh, really recently, like Classic. in the last week. Huh. Coincidence. Um, uh, you know, uh, but but it, it, it's just a shame. It's a shame. Trevor Story had a very down year, and I think that that was playing into teams saying, hey, this is going to be a one-year rental for this guy. Um, you know, we're, we're only paying for him for the rest of the season and he's hitting 250 with his power numbers down. Everything's down on his season. So I, I think the Rockies looked and said, Hey, our compensatory draft pick is going to be worth more than what we got. Now, when it goes to John Gray and Walji calls me a, a John Gray, I don't know where you he actually, are. I don't actually know where he are. got that from. Do you know where he got that from? Well, when we were talking you the are. week prior, I had mentioned I thought he was a back end of the rotation starter. And I think he's a middle. Yeah. I think he's a three. I think he's a solid I, three. I, piece, I don't think there's. You know? I I tend mm. to agree with you there. I think as a third or fourth starter in your rotation, yeah. that is a legit. Now, granted, he, he didn't pan out to be the ace that the Rockies were hoping and most for. Most guys don't. Right. Uh, by, by the way, uh, Kumar Rocker, that uh, Tyler was so high on that the Rockies should have drafted him. Didn't even get signed by the Mets because they were so concerned with his previous elbow injuries mm. that he didn't even get signed. And you want to know how much of a joke Major League Baseball is? And Connor, you correct me if I'm wrong and if I understood this incorrectly, but no other team can sign him right now. The Mets decided not to sign him, and he can't go just sign with another team. He has to basically, I don't know if you have to turn around and wait a year, or you have to re-enter the draft mm. or how that works, but he can't just be a free agent and go sign with somebody else now. He can't I, go back to college. He's already left yeah, there. I'm not sure when the exact date. I don't think it's a whole year. Okay. I don't think so. But um, It's a joke. I think it, it is interesting. So, uh, yeah, he didn't sign. That's interesting. I didn't know that. And, and it's, again, not that's not uh, going to just say that, hey, that Kumar Rocker is a bust. Hey, he hasn't even 
throwing no. a pitch. But here's as, Tyler. As a Tyler's telling us that he's going to be in the majors after a in month. Two of years. The, in the, you know, he said a month. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He said he a did. month or two, which is I, I pointed out how absurd that is. There's 20 players in the history in a 150 years of baseball that have done something like that. But anyways, regardless, I don't think he will um, be on the Mets <laughs> roster this year. I'm just going to throw that out. So, there. but but uh, <laughs> but as far as John Gray goes, I'm not a John Gray apologist. Uh, I do value John Gray as a middle of the rotation piece. And I think the Rockies kept on to him because there seems to be interest in actually returning. He likes pitching here. His ERA, Jared, is better at Coors Field this year than it is on the road. Get that. <laughs> and and that is is going back to the original question of how do you fix the Rockies? You you got to bring in pitchers that can pitch at Coors Field. I, I think every move you make should basically be focused around that. And I know that's easier said than done, but you want to stay away from fly ball pitchers. You know, you you want to stay away from guys that that bank on a lot of movement on their pitches because you just see such an inconsistency when you're at altitude versus away from altitude. It's hard to be a consistent pitcher if that's what you're banking on. Right. So uh uh we uh uh, you know, I, as you know, I was a a pitcher in small level college ball, nothing crazy, right? But but even myself, just playing in small level college baseball, right? Traveling around different areas of the country and playing, it was a massive difference. I mean, it was so unbelievably crazy how much different my breaking ball would break when I was at sea level as opposed to growing up here and throwing it all the time, right? And it would take me several games sometimes to get even like remotely used to like, okay, this is how I have to throw my curveball. Otherwise, I couldn't even throw it for a strike if I wanted to, right? It just hit the dirt every time. It's crazy. And so when you add velocity, which all these pro pitchers have over me, right? You add velocity and you add spin rate. That effect is only going to be magnified more. So it's actually, you know, I know Tyler likes to say, oh, maybe altitude. Maybe there is something. There is something to pitching at altitude. It's crazy different. It is unbelievable how different it is. And so I think to what we've said before, right? You have to home grow these guys, right? If you're going to bring in somebody, you need to look for guys that have, you know, really plus plus fast fastballs. Like they thrive off a hundred mile an hour fastballs because a hundred mile an hour fastball that will travel to any park in the country, right? Sinker ball pitcher, like an Aaron cook. Yep. Right, Aaron Cook had some real good success for the Rockies. I think you want to see guys that have multiple variations of fastballs, cutters, right? Cutters, fastballs, sinkers, uh, two seams. You know, you want those those different types of guys, and then you also want to look to to home grow it, right? Uh, And you know, I I think in terms of how you fix this team, you want to keep trying to develop pitchers. You got to do that, Uh, but you gotta you gotta re, you know, this this farm system is depleted. Right now, quite and, frankly. And that's where I have to push back when you say the Rockies were, were looking at the offers that they were getting and, it, and it's you know not as good as the compensatory picks. And I, I don't know. Again, this is where I don't have an understanding of the compensatory picks. And, and we'll have to do our homework before we come here next week and we can discuss that a little more further in detail. But are, they, are we talking multiple picks they would get for Trevor Story in compensatory picks? Because I don't care if it's a, a second-round pick that you get from a compensatory. If you get three or four prospects... In exchange for Trevor Story, I will bet on those odds that more of those guys are going to develop into pro-caliber players than the one compensatory pick that you're getting for him. I, I just have to say, I think whatever the offer was, you should have taken but, it. Okay, but there's also something to be said, right? Uh, especially, okay, th- think of it from the shoes of, of a new interim GM, 
right? Uh, you're, you're taking over this situation where there's tons of scrutiny, right? I mean, the whole baseball world is laughing at the Colorado Rockies, uh, especially after what happened with Nolan, right? I mean, sure. it is. They're in that position. So when you, when you uh, try and put yourselves in that shoes and think like there's something to be said about not being able to just be a freaking, you know, being able to be ran over by any MLB team, man. I you're I got I got me. I got you, Cole. I know. There, there we go. So, uh, no, there's something to be said though about not wanting to be like the whipping post or like the freaking, you know, road that every tire. You don't want to be a, become a farm team for all the other, you know. This GM comes in and he's probably like, all right, I have to let it be known that we are not going to just get taken advantage of left and right with all of our players. Right. And I think there's something to be said there. Sure. Right. So you don't want to just say, okay, whatever, give us any three prospects. Like if it's really close to what you're getting in value, like if, cause they're grading those draft picks, right? They're putting a score on those draft picks. And if you're in that same ballpark, like, why would we give you Trevor Story for the same ballpark of our compensatory picks? And once again, just be made to look like a laughing stock, Right. Okay, quick question here, sort of a side question. Who, what uh, executive team has less respect within their circles of their sport? The Colorado Rockies or the Houston Texans? Who is less respected and who deserves to be less respected? My argument would be the Texans simply because the NFL is more popular. More popularity, more exposure. The bigger the uh, yeah, that's a good the bigger the dweeb. I would actually, oh man, because here's the deal, and I look at the main thing of recent is the Texans in the deal they gave mm. away DeAndre Hopkins mm. for. At oh. least they didn't have to give any money up with it. I mean, they gave their best player possibly in franchise history. Obviously, Deshaun Watson's there, but. Not quite as established so far, and he's a young guy. Uh, maybe not playing a whole lot for them in the future. Um, but I don't know, man. I have never heard of a scenario anywhere close to some of the level of moves. Now, the Texans made a lot of other bad moves, too. But it to me, that was Bill O'Brien making a ton of terrible moves. Not necessarily the organization. I don't know. I say that. And was Bill O'Brien the one that gave uh, Osweiler the deal? I mean, maybe it does run a lot deeper than Bill O'Brien. I guess to your point, if in the NFL somebody gave – I mean, I know they do cash considerations. But if you were to give somebody $50 million, that would be horrible. So I guess to your point – Maybe that Rockies deal is worse, but uh, it's well, tough. You know, that's an interesting question, and I think I think I like I like Nick's point that that there's more exposure in the NFL. So I think generally speaking, Houston's going to be the answer there. The laughing stock. Um, yeah. I, I just real quick before we get off the Rockies. yeah, no, let's go back. Sorry, I, I had before, to throw that. Let's get, let's get back to that because <laughs> uh, because I, I have a, a way of getting way roundabout in my points. Okay. But when I'm trying to wait, what if I'm trying? I know, I know, shocker, so weird. right? Uh, when we're trying to say what how to fix the Rockies, what I think you do is you try to maintain your pitching staff. You, you try to hold on to these guys that are doing well, right? Uh, Austin Gomber's actually been pretty good yep. for the Rockies. John Gray's been pretty solid again this year, two years in a row now, uh, mind you. He's had pretty solid, consistent play, right? Um, you know, obviously, Herman Marquez is great. He's a, he's a really good pitcher. Probably not a bona fide ace, but he's a bona fide number two. Hey, he was um, an all-star. You know, so I think the Rockies pitching is all right. You keep him. You try and develop. Hopefully, you get another guy to pop up here from the minor leagues, right? Um, and then I think what you do, you got to hope, you know, some of these prospects like Colton Welker, uh, who's a corner infielder, uh, outfielder coming from the... Um, 
minor league system. You hope some of these guys can kind of start showing their way. Uh, but what you can do with the Rockies, so we are now the Rockies are now getting out from some of these contracts, like you mentioned, right? Like the Shaws and the um, God, that lefty. What, what was uh, McGee, Jake McGee, and uh, Ian Desmond? I, I actually want to bring that up. I misspoke last week. I thought he retired. He he's uh, just opted out. Yeah, he's just yeah, he opted, opted out, out a second yeah. year. So what does that mean for his contract? I think it's guaranteed. But I mean, is he is he getting those two years that he's opted out now pushed forward? No, no, okay. he's foregoing most of his contract. He okay. gets a he gets a percentage. I forget okay. what the exact amount is, but um, I was like, please don't do that to us. I don't need <laughs> right. two more years. But, of but regardless, you're getting out of some of these contracts there after this year. So I think what the Rockies can actually do is they can sign. Um, you know, the Rockies aren't going to go out there and sign. You know, they're not going to go get a free agent for 160 mil, 250 million, right? To get a big name free agent in here, right? But what they can do is get a lot of these guys on the on the, you know, the back nine of their of their career, right? These guys that come in, and, and we've seen this before with the Rockies, right? Um, where where guys come in kind of on the back end of their career. And they have a bit of a resurgence hitting in Coors Field, right? I mean, uh, the last the, one I the, can think of in my mind is Jason Giambi. That's the name I was right? just about to say. That's the one that well, comes they, to mind for me. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's that. Uh, you remember, um, you know, there, there's players, too, that have had great years here. Like, remember Garrett Atkins? Yeah. Um, Garrett Atkins had amazing season. I think he won the batting title, possibly. I think he was even going for a triple crown, possibly, here. Point is... The Rockies can actually sign some free agents hitting. Like it. So I think what you do is that you gotta you gotta try and find one or two pieces in the bullpen because that bullpen is miserable right now. Um, but you keep that starting rotation together. You bring in a couple of of pieces, kind of like a CJ Cron. I mean, he's having a pretty good season sure. for the Rockies this year. So you find a couple of those guys. Yep. You hope that a Colton Welker or something steps up next season, and you bring in a couple bullpen pieces. Granted, not on those mega deals, right? <laughs> but right. but try and find a couple couple of hard throwing guys with upside right now bargain bin to me that ultimately is the key is the bullpen if if you can whether that's developing the talent from within uh you know through your minor league systems guys that you drafted now oftentimes you you get guys that are starters in in college and high school that ultimately end up in the bullpen you know the the rockies have i believe they have actually proven over the course of the last five to seven years it is possible to develop pitchers in Colorado. Now, maybe not at the same rate that you're getting guys developed in San Francisco or or elsewhere, but it is possible. I think that your focus should be there, and and that that ultimately is is what the only way the Rockies ever truly become a championship contender. But you know, to, to your point, Connor, and I I know I tend to on this show outside of the show. I mock the Rockies a lot. They're 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 the running joke uh, in my mind in Colorado sports, and they have been for some time. And but the way you break it down, I think you do a good job and making people like myself understand. You just get a couple of hitters in here, and this team's competitive again. I mean, that's the problem. Couple bullpen is, pieces, couple hitters. Sure, but this team has been competitive in the past without a great bullpen. I mean, now, I mean, will you actually compete for a championship? No. Oh, okay. You're no. not going to get a World Series that way. <laughs> no. But you can be no. a team that's a 500 or above 500 team just by adding a couple of big bats and continuing to develop the rotation that you have. 
if you can get a few of those right pieces in place. Right. And I think, hey, it's important to remember as much as this organization has been a joke, and rightfully so, I mean, there's still 10 games under 500 right now. I mean, I mean that's it. They're, they're, I know. You know I looked today to pull up like their loss. They're third like, place in the division. Oh, um, huh. Now, granted, you know, you see you see these teams like the, the Dodgers going out and getting Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. That was... I mean, unbelievable. I mean, just it's trolling the Padres in um, every move they tried to right, make. Right, right. Yeah, the Padres <laughs> were huge losers in this trade deadline, but neither here nor there. But you see these teams in the NL West and around the league. The Rockies aren't going to compete anytime soon for a championship with those teams. But I do think that the Rockies are closer than a lot of people might realize to actually being competitive for maybe that wild card spot. Not even necessarily making the wild card spot, but but being competitive in it. So, frankly, right now, I'd take it. Yeah. I would take that right now. I could live with that. You can build off of that. I, I, last thing on the Rockies, because I want—I really want to get your opinion on this. Okay, I, a buddy was talking to me the other day. And I don't know where he got this idea from. I'm sure. I'm sure somebody deserves credit for this idea. It's not me though. I will tell you, that's not my idea. Um, but I thought it was interesting. What would you think about the idea? Because the Rockies have notoriously had terrible splits, right? Home and away. Sure. Uh, and that's, you know, for a lot of reasons. But when players have a homestand here and then they go away, pitchers are biting so much more. Pitchers are hard to throw on the road, right? Hitters are hard to pick up the same spins and stuff. So what if the Rockies had... Now, maybe it's a little absurd to say a full nine and nine. But what if the Rockies had a handful of players who only played road games and a handful of players who only played home <laughs> games. Like literally you have, you field cause you have enough players on your roster to do it. I mean, I think, you know, over a, a whiskey and a conversation, it's fun. I just don't think there's <laughs> several, any several whiskeys. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's any reality to that. Point out. A white and and maybe, <laughs> maybe when it comes to position players, cause you do see that with, with certain guys that maybe struggle against lefties or struggle against righties where that's just a strategic play that the team makes. Oh, we're going up against lefty. You're out right. of the line. Well, I mean, so, you see that in baseball all the time with uh, platoons, just like you said, you see it all the time where yes. players will only play against lefties and they will only I think play it's against the righties. They have a whole different team staff for that. Like there's, I mean, can you carry enough pitchers to realistically strategically only pitch certain guys at home and certain guys on the road? Um, I think the pitching staff would be a little tougher. Okay, but I'm I'm thinking more hitters, right? Your lineup, more of your hitting lineup, because you get you you. It is the most insane thing to see the massive splits well, of these and, hitters. And, and the hopes would be that you have a couple of what you would consider your stars, right? Your your the heart of your lineup. Maybe it's your your one through four, your two three four. Uh, right, you're those not gonna, guys are going to play every day. Right, you know, right, you got right. you got gonna, three or four guys. You're all star because. But I mean, but, I actually there the, is there is something <laughs> to that when it comes to your bottom end of your lineup, right? And right. and being able to you know have a essentially a small ball lineup and a big ball lineup. I, I think know. you're on. I don't know. Could be interesting. So I don't know. It was just a. That, it was a thought that was shared between two friends after probably, as Nick said, a couple of whiskeys. So <laughs> uh, there we go. I don't know. That's that's my Rocky thoughts for today. I'll I'll be at you next week again for actually. I will not be here next week wow. once again. I know I'm going to be in Jeez. Austin, Texas, uh, putting up some laundry equipment. So you know. What's worse, living the dream, Austin, baby. Texas, or was it Lincoln you were in, or where were you in? Oh Nebraska? no, I, I was in Alliance, Nebraska, like population one thousand. So I, I think it's like eight thousand, something like that. Did you consider driving directly through a cornfield just to see if it would speed up your time? 
Uh, no, that, that never, uh, no, you know, I thought about telling you that when you told me it was going to take you X amount of time. I'm like, but no, 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 now if you just Texas, drove straight through the corn, Austin will be much better. But, uh, so I won't be here next week, but then, but then this should be like the, that's all of my, my travel I've been doing for a while. So I will be, you know, hate it or love it. I'm here for, for the long term, baby after that. So <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll have a stat of the week for you in two weeks. <laughs> okay. Before we get out of here, guys, I want to go on a little rant. Okay, it's something that has just been building with me over the last few weeks, and that's NFL training camp. I hate it. I hate it. I'm to the point where I cannot stand this month of the season before football actually starts. Okay, and it has nothing to do with what they're doing on the field. It's the media. I just, everything is so overblown. You know, you, you talk about, let's let's talk specifically to the Broncos, where there is like a play-by-play report card of what each of the quarterbacks are doing and how many interceptions did this one throw this week or the, today's practice. Oh, and, and, you know, you got Drew Locke was, oh, man, he made some huge. I mean, these guys are playing in shorts. This is seven on seven. You are a professional quarterback if you can't at least look at an acceptable level through training camp you don't belong there at all i seem to remember once upon a time paxton lynch was oh, being God. talked about how good he looked in camp it's a joke it's yeah, an absolute joke you know a player who notoriously looked awful in camp if you if you just saw him in camp didn't know who he was and you only saw him in camp and practice peyton manning he looked sure. absolutely terrible in camp but that was because peyton manning was working on very specific thing. I mean, he was such a level of... And I'll use another superstar quarterback that has talked about it in the past, Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. You know, he was criticized very heavily his first preseason, how many interceptions he was throwing in training camp and in the preseason. And, And he's, you know, since come out and said like, yeah, how do you think I know that I can make the throws that I make now? Right. It's because I tried it in practice. That's when you are supposed to throw interceptions. So to to look at that as a good or a bad thing, look, as fans, even as media people that cover these teams closely, you don't see the nuances that these coaches are seeing. I absolutely believe the coaches take a lot from training camp. They see how these guys interact with their their you know teammates. They see how they carry themselves. They see the guys that are the first on the field, the last off the field, the guys putting in the extra they time. They see if they're understanding concepts. But well. everything, and I'm just more, this rant is more for the listeners out there, is just disregard any bold statement that comes away <laughs> from NFL training camp because that's that's literally what they're trying to do. They're trying to get you to click on it. That's it. There is nothing to be gained from this. And and this mainly comes from a fantasy football player where you're like, you're this is it right now. This is like where we're all trying to figure out who are the sleepers, who are the guys. And the, the things that you're hearing coming out of these camps, it's amazing. I, I, I mean, I can go on and on and thinking of guys that have looked at, at really good. I'm trying, I'm slipping on the kid's name that they called Sunshine. For like four years in a row, the receiver uh, that Peyton Manning loved. Oh, yeah. Oh, and for like wow. four years in a row, he was going to be the next thing. Uh, and then he got cut and actually was on the practice squad. You know, it's... I know who you're talking about, too, and I can't think of his name. Yeah. But yeah. No, it, that's a good point. I mean... Training camp is training camp, man. Uh, what's his name? Uh, God, who was it? Was it was it, it was Pat Shermer? Jordan that Taylor. That a pretty funny Jordan Taylor. Jordan Taylor. Jordan Taylor. Thank you. Uh, but Pat Shermer actually had a pretty funny quote the other day when he was he was talking. It came out terribly, but he goes. They were talking about you know the quarterback competition, and he goes, I- "I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, well, you guys don't know.'" 
Uh, you, you guys really can't evaluate. I know you're trying to. I know you're putting on paper, but you don't know what we're trying to do. We had a drill today where we tried to throw incompletions because we were trying to stop the clock. And, and it's just funny, like the exact quote, like, we had a drill today where we were trying to throw incompletes. That's not a great look for the offense that has been in the bottom of the NFL for forever. But to your point, Jared, that's kind of what you're getting at, right? Like your fan and the media coverage, like we don't know what they're actually trying to do on these plays. All we can do is speculate and guess. And, and, and it doesn't even really matter if a player does well or not. I mean, we're just so thirsty for football that we'll take anything. And that's really what it comes down to is, is it's just truly the media outlets understanding the the hunger that fans have this time of year 24 7 coverage that's it yeah and you have to be the first to break things and and, and so you you then constantly get this misinformation being put out there and i think as you go into preseason that changes a little bit yeah, a little bit in the preseason games for sure. sure you can get because, a little more. You know, those of us, and I know all three of us watch a ton of football. You, you know what an NFL quarterback starts to look like. You can kind of separate and see some of these things. And I think it'll be interesting to see as we approach. I think this weekend, correct me if I'm wrong, is the Broncos' first preseason game. Um, be interesting. I've I've heard they're going to come out and will be you know locked. Is it this weekend? Yeah, it's the Vi- they play the Vikings, and I think the thing oh, is yeah. like yeah, that's right. Even the doing first the practice with them. This yeah, week. yeah. Even the first couple games, like it. Even the first one or two games, it's they they do a couple series and and then they're out. So it's it's mainly for third four stringers, guys trying to make the team. I mean, it's it's way too early now. Now, uh, you know, speaking of blowing up things that don't necessarily matter that much, I did want to get your take though on this. Uh, this uh, fight that the Broncos had at training camp. Have you seen this about the uh, Garrett Bowles yeah. and Bradley Chubb? I love it. What, what's your take on that? Let's get some fire out there. Yeah, I like it too. I don't. I don't mind it. I don't mind a little bit of that. Like that's some. some I think fire, it's baby. healthy. Uh, now I will say I think sometimes it's almost like guys are seeking it out because it's like the the uh, like badge of honor almost where it, like. If you're not having a fight in camp, guys aren't really pushing, you know. And so it's like sometimes it almost feels manufactured to me. This situation didn't feel that way. Like it seems like things got testy through this situation. So I'm like, good. Garrett Bowles straight up quit on practice. I think it's one of the. <laughs> by all accounts, he quit. He he dropped his helmet and he went into the locker room and he wouldn't come out for 30 minutes until the until George Payton and other assistant coaches had to go in there and coax him back out onto the field. Now I don't necessarily love that. That <laughs> sounds to me like a guy pouting is, is kind of more how I take that but I think that does nothing but motivate these guys to that next snap now okay I'm not gonna let him beat me this time you know type of thing so I think it does at a certain level of it but I don't know that, that stuff seems always so manufactured if me. there's one word to describe the Broncos the past three four seasons it's flat so it's nice to see them have sure. a little bit of energy in my opinion well look at their coaching staff doesn't that just scream flat Pat Shermer Eh. You know, you know, for all Vic this, uh, for all this, for all this, uh, you know, Vic Fangio old school mentality type talk that we we were sold and heard. Right? Uh, they're having a lot of uh, new school looking practices. You know, I mean, I think obviously put yourself in his shoes again and think about last season. So many injuries the Broncos had early on. I think, I think the man is is. Spooked. Spook, yeah, he is afraid. He is dead afraid to have injuries, and so he's kind of having these easy-going practices. But That's always what you want to hear about your head coach, that he is spooked going <laughs> into the season. He's afraid. It's a make-or-break year for him. It certainly is, and I, I can understand uh, where his hesitancy is, and 
you know, we'll see. I, I think it'll be very telling to see how he approaches these preseason games. And not just him. Uh, take a step back there. Everyone's going at this in a different capacity now. You only have three games. How do you approach this? Are we going to see starters less? I think we will. Uh, and I think if you're a smart team, you know who your guys are. And you don't necessarily need to see them get a ton of reps, just enough to get fluid. Yeah, just gonna I, get I a still few. think you're going to see that third game is going to end up being all backups where we would have normally seen the fourth game be that. See, I think it's a good point. It's interesting to, to think because we've never seen this before. My guess is that we'll see a the second preseason game be pretty heavy on starters for a while. Although, I don't think it'll be as heavy as like the traditional third right. game, quote-unquote, you know, how it was in previous seasons where the third game, you pretty much see three quarters of football, sometimes even more like into the fourth quarter of mostly starters. Right. Um, I think that'll be kind of the second game, but I think it's going to be more like a half. Right. Right. That's what I I, I could see. And I, I see for the third game, instead of the fourth game being no starters, I could see the third uh, once again, being kind of like a one drive two drive type thing. So, Get the last few guys that you think need to uh, yeah. get some snaps to prove something. Now, let me ask you this real quick. When do you think the Broncos should, or is there any date that they need to name a starter at quarterback by? I think it's stupid to ever name it before week one. If you have a competition, take it up. Again, in, in maybe internally, you know who that guy is. Especially when it's 50-50, kind of how it is now, and you don't really... But, like, but why... And, and also, when you're looking at what the Broncos have and two very different quarterbacks that a team has to prepare for, why not give yourself a little edge in that first game where they now have to prepare for both guys? I think if, if that is your only reason, that's enough right there for me <laughs> to just good, hold it off for strategic purposes so that, yeah, I think it is important for your offensive line, for your receivers to know who is this guy. I'm not sure if you could leak that information internally yeah, though in right. this day and you're age totally and right. have it knock it <laughs> out social media is just i mean yeah I, I i just i doubt that you could like hey hey guys come in here hey yeah maybe like thursday you're gonna be our starter practice. but shh, shh, nobody say anything yeah not one word okay and then like three weeks later every all 56 guys that know aren't gonna go tell their families no one's gonna leak it yeah maybe like <laughs> thursday of the practice leading up to it that's about as far as you can yeah, probably take. you yeah. got about a three-day window where that information might stay quite right might. right so i don't know we'll see interesting but yeah i get it to your point i totally get it i don't think i think you gotta take everything with a giant grain of salt that you're hearing, hearing from training camp so yeah and and we'll see i think that's something we'll, you'll see us on this show start to dive in more and more over each of the next three or four weeks uh the nfl season is is only about three and a half weeks it's out crazy. now so it's crazy. Uh, we'll certainly be ramping up that discussion here as we get and and next week i'll get to see i'll get to hear tyler slander me once again why i'm not here because that's what seems to happen know. when i'm gone Nick, i think we need, might need to find somebody else to <laughs> i like the Walgie slander <laughs> message. Uh, all right guys that does it for us here today we appreciate you listening as always you can find us every Wednesday here or on Twitter at Red Rock Sports One. I'm Jared All for Connor Holskamp. Bye bye. Nick Sopras. See you next week. Later. <laughs>